reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network, a place where you'll find an American Muslim patriot have a little conversation with you week to week on security threats, on what it means to be an American, strategies for moving forward, also a little light on medical issues, on COVID-19, whatever else may fancy you here at the podcast, reform this. Looking at areas that need reform, areas that need deeper reflection, where the traditional legacy media just doesn't have the courage to address. And this week is no different. Let me start first with a deep, heartfelt reflection. This weekend we had July 4th. We celebrated, our country celebrated its birthday, the Declaration of Independence, independence from tyranny, independence from a monarchy, independence from theocracy. And I have to tell you, in my 52-plus years, there's never been a July 4th that had a deeper meaning to me than this one. We've seen riots, we've seen demonstrations, and we've seen an attempt by a movement that starts with some truth, which is that, yes, America has a lot of work to do on racism. Yes, police brutality is a problem. And took that kernel of reform that's necessary and painted a broad brush upon the entire historical framework that is America. And I have to tell you, as the son of immigrants, as somebody that is working tirelessly to defend the bedrock of what it is to be an American and how all that seek freedom come to America, how America is not only a shining city on a hill, but it sets the standard for the rule of law that the founders fought and their families and they sacrificed in order to give us our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, and this country. Shedding the tyranny that was before it, shedding the tyranny of what was monarchy and theocracy, and setting the the, the standard for what would become the America that we all benefit from today. So I have to tell you, as I saw the fireworks this week, this weekend, they had a new meaning for me. They had a a meaning that I had never imagined would be so deep. I see our country divided more and more, and it's easy for people to blame the president, to blame whoever they want, but at the end of the day, I have to tell you, the, the, the left in its denigration of American institutions, is torturing our soul. And I, 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 I believe that. I have to tell you, as somebody that has spent the last, not only 19 years since 9-11, but 52 years of my life fighting against Islamists and, and rejecting their anti-Americanism and rejecting the tenor with which they blame American foreign policy, they hate our troops, they hate everything that America stands for. They hate American exceptionalism. We're seeing this now from the left in that they want to remove 
the historical respect that the founding fathers have been given not only in the American narrative, but through the principles of what they left. Why? Because, yes, they are imperfect people. Yes, we had a civil war in which half a million, if not more, died to defeat slavery, to emancipate slaves from the tyranny that was slavery. But that doesn't mean that our entire government, that our history is tyrannical. It means that there was an inhumanity that needed correction. And so many gave the ultimate sacrifice for that. And yet they're talking about reparations now. And and never mind that our country continues to grow. Never mind that everything that we benefit from today came from the bravery of our founding fathers. Never mind that everywhere on the planet had had this. You know, it's amazing to me, the Islamists, and I'm going to talk about this on other podcasts and other discussions, but we've talked in the past about slavery that exists in various Muslim-majority countries. And that even if you look at the apologetics of Islam, the apologetics of Islam are that, well, the Prophet Muhammad said that to free a slave, there can be no better good. Well, that's an apologetic. Because he did not end slavery. He did not call for the inhumanity of it. And there's still many imams, there's still many countries, from the Gulf states to Mauritania and elsewhere, that uh, have a recent history with slavery, and yet many American Islamists seem to forget that. We even have a professor at Georgetown, Jonathan Brown, if you look him up, has an apologetic about Islam and slavery that should have had him removed from his position at Georgetown, but it wasn't because the left and Islamists are tied at the hip. They're attached at the hip, and thus there is blindness when it comes to their hypocrisy about slavery and the Islamist hypocrisy of slavery, but never mind the fact that historically they want to take a a ahistoric approach to the Founding Fathers, to the icons of American history that gave us our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, whose ideals, yes, we're still trying to come closer to, whose ideals, yes, we still aspire to. And I think if Jefferson or Madison were alive today, they would certainly say that we have a lot of work to aspire to the ideals that are Americanism. But American exceptionalism is not that it's perfect, but it is the best experiment for freedom and democracy on the planet. And that is what our immigrant families came to celebrate. And that is why we are Americans. And on this July 4th weekend, I will not, I reject those on the left who insist on denigrating and destroying what it is to be an American, our flag, our unity. And rather than find the things that bring us together and have us work together to rise above the things in our history that we want to put behind us and to lift up the things that we want to share, they want to lift up the elements of our history that are things from which we have shed 
and make that a defining moment of what it means to be an American, and therefore our institutions are inherently evil. And that is what our enemies say about us. That is what the Chinese Communist Party says about America. That is what the Russian tyrannical dictators say about us. That is what the Middle East dictators say about America. And certainly the narrative of statues coming down, of Confederate symbols, which, yes, had symbolism of slavery, but they also had symbolism of, a, of an America that was based in its Constitution and Bill of Rights that we have today to defend the rights of all those created equal because of the Founding Fathers. So it is rather hypocritical to benefit from a nation that came from the ideals and the power and the strength of our Founding Fathers and then say that, well, because of their imperfections, because of their historical immaturity that needed to be shed, that included racism and other aspects, that somehow we must erase their entire history. And by erasing its history, you do what dictators want, which is to allow them to repeat history rather than to learn from it and understand that those people who are our heroes were also faulty. It's amazing to me that they demand perfection in history, and yet of their own colleagues, be it Islamist or otherwise, they accept lower than mediocrity. They accept those who apologize for terrorism, who apologize for dictatorships across the planet, like the World Health Organization and others. They accept that, and when it comes to our own history, they want to abuse and torture the memory of what they brought us, and especially in holidays like July 4th and our Declaration of Independence, because we were born as a nation that day, and all the goodness that came came as a result of that birth. So I reject the New York Times narrative. I reject those who want to say that we were born from evil and reject American exceptionalism and instead want to somehow create a blank slate from which we came from nothing. We did not come from nothing. I'm also reminded that it is it is exemplary of tyrants. Tyrants who want to erase history. Let me give you an example of why the Islamists work so well with the left. Islamists typically will want to erase their history, erase what they were. The Muslim Brotherhood did that in its rise to power in Egypt. Rather than, rather than celebrate freedom and liberty for all, it wanted to create a brand new Islamic state under Sharia and redefine what it meant to be Egyptian. Forget the Egyptian history of the Copts and all the other diverse religions, diverse humanity that were in Egypt. They wanted to erase it. On a personal level, you also look at individuals. There are those Muslims who may have converted and, and keep their birth names. And there are others who choose to change their name. A known example is Cat Stevens, who decided to convert to Islam and change his name to Yusuf Islam. 
And, and I've always, you know, I know this is a personal decision. Every individual has their choices and what they do. But to reject and change your family name especially, let alone your first name. I get it. There's an Islamic name we named our kids with names from the Qur'an. And people who become Muslim want to change their name to find the name in the Qur'an. Which we believe as Muslims is the word of God. But also why reject where you came from? Why reject your heritage? Whatever your first and last name may be. It's important to maintain those names. And I believe you should. And I think you can't help but see the, the commonality of those who want to erase their history so that their familial genetic heritage and whatever it else may be is forgotten, is thrown away and starts anew. And then they can't learn anything from that history. And be proud of it. I remember one of the things that shaped me significantly as a naval officer was a general who was one of my patients, one of my first patients as a internist at Bethesda Naval Hospital. And he came to me and said, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I didn't want to see that other doctor. And I said, why? He said, well, I asked him where he was from. His family was from originally. And he said, it didn't matter. And he said he'd rather not talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, listen, whatever as compli- he told me, as complicated as somebody's history might be, if somebody can't own where they're from and can't be proud of the immigrant, of who they are, I can't feel that that would be somebody I'd want to be my doctor. Now, listen, I'm not passing judgment on whoever that person is and uh, that colleague that I had, but I think that's an important principle of what this general taught me, is that what defines us as Americans is the fact that we are diverse, that we relish in the democracy and freedom that is this country, and that we come together with that diversity of origin, of ideas, of culture, of social engagement, and that diversity makes us into one, and that is what is American exceptionalism. And he taught me that, you know, people, you have many uh, folks with uh, non-Anglo-Saxon names that make them Anglo-Saxon, regardless of what culture it might be. I have a lot of Arabic friends that uh, change their name and make it easier and they're like well I just don't want you know people don't have the accent etc to say it right well that is a challenge it does create new challenges for you but it also I think tries to then change the historical nature of what you bring to the table in that diversity so if the left is really for diversity then they should be all about that that quilt that quilt of diverse origins and history that each of our families bring in our own country brings to the table some good some bad and as long as we reject it today it's not what happened in history that matters as much but it's how we place it today i talk in my book a battle for the soul of islam about how one of my heroes in my life is my father And I respect and love him. And yes, I think after somebody passes, 
we're softer in that memory, we're softer in our criticism. But I also talk in the book about his faults, on how he taught me about the equality of men and women, and yet the way he treated my mom, the way he treated the attitude he had about women's rights, personally, reeked of Arab misogyny, patriarchy, and yet ideologically taught me about equality Americanism. So there was a hypocrisy there. So I think my ability and everyone's ability to separate what aspects of people that are heroes in their lives that are good versus those aspects of the same person that might not be good is ultimately, I think, an important element to have. We must honor those people that gave us gifts without which we wouldn't have our country, we wouldn't have our families, we wouldn't have our freedom and liberty, be it on Memorial Day, be it on Veterans Day or July 4th. Each of these holidays signifies aspects of American history and the gifts that people give us every year as part of our nation, as part of our joint citizenry. People that believe in the oath of our Constitution, that protect us from enemies, domestic and foreign, that we should celebrate. But just like the Islamists don't want to recognize Memorial Day and don't want to as, as the Council on American-Islamic Relations has had its director from San Francisco reject Memorial Day, the left also now is rejecting July 4th and instead wants to replace that with a different holiday. We can recognize the, you know, and I think sometimes the deeper you love someone or something or some history, the more you can accept the fact that that love involves also being critical of it. As I said about my own parents, about my own father, the more you love someone or something, the more you can also own up to the fact that they had faults, that they that those faults then, because you love them, can become aspects from which we can grow from to make sure that we don't repeat them. How many aspects of things of, of somebody you love and your hero, you notice that you try to take on their good and then you realize that the negative aspects of it is something that then drives you to make sure that you're not the same. My dad was a physician who was loved by his patients and I emulated that and in many ways he was my hero for the way he practiced medicine and how he did that. But personally, he was... He smoked for many years. He he had morbid obesity. So I then became very interested in athleticism and working out and staying healthy, never smoking, etc. So things about his personality made me not want to do those things so that I could be myself and I could use the aspects that harmed him to learn from so that I wouldn't make the same mistakes. So why can't we do the same things with George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, folks that are on the Mount Rushmore. These are heroes that, that were leaders 
that shaped our national history, shaped our American identity, and yet, yes, they had aspect to their own lives that then needed correction and led to a civil war. And that correction was done as a country. But that doesn't then erase everything that they did, good and bad. We keep it all. It's part of our joint memory, our our joint education. Otherwise, we lose all of the education if we erase it. And I have to tell you, it is abusive. I find it abusive as a country for a group to then insist that we be ashamed of what our history of, be ashamed and be defensive about the roots of what we were. When in fact, at that time in the world, there was no country that shined with equality everywhere. It was an aspiration that we were coming to as a country, but that not gone through a liberalization as we saw into even the 20th century. We needed a civil rights movement here in America to even begin this conversation in a better way than what happened with the Civil War, and we continue to improve into 2020. But to say that somehow as Americans... We must now reject our whole history or else on bended knee to those who would like to get reparations and other things. It is absurd. Every one of us has family history and otherwise that is good and bad. And we learn from it. We write about it. We journalize it and do other things that that create an educational environment to allow the morality and the ethics to rise and the immorality and the evil to fall. And the moment, the moment it is erased, the moment you demand subservience to that history and defensiveness and you legitimize violence and, and destruction of property and and wanton aggression, that becomes un-American, it becomes inhuman, and, and puts people on defense to create divisiveness. So it's amazing to me that the New York Times has the gumption, as does many on the left, the gumption to say that somehow certain classes, certain races in America have a lot to apologize for when in fact they are the ones that are creating the divisiveness. It amazes me that they have the gumption to blame a political movement that is simply responding to being cornered in a defensive way because they are putting Americanism on They are putting Americanism on trial with vitriol. Forget the evolution of Americanism away from the inequality and the racism that that marred some of its history. Forget that. Now, they just want to keep us on defense, whoever the us is, and create more divisiveness. And then when a certain group responds to that constantly after months, over a month, over six weeks of constant riots and, and, and defensive outreach. We finally come to July 4th, and we're told that we can't celebrate this holiday in the way that we have before because it is marred by a history that must be whitewashed.
and Erurist. And by the way, this is what our enemies say. So next week, I want to spend a little more time with you comparing and contrasting, mostly comparing the Islamist movements and what they did to America, what they said about America, what they said about the West, what they said about Israel, their anti-Semitism, and compare it to the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think with that comparison, you will see why it's so important. Why, Why is that comparison important? Because you're seeing a synergy now globally between the tyrants of the Islamists from Iran to the Gulf to elsewhere and the left through Europe, Venezuela, China, Russia. And that synergy wants to destroy America and America now, its economy limping. The pro-America, pro-Israel, pro-freedom movements not fighting for who they are. And it's time to stand up for what we believe in. Stand up for the immigrants. Stand up for our families that still are waiting in line to come to this country. Not because of what it only is today, but what it has been and what it represents over the last 240 plus years. That's important. We're going to talk about that next week. I hope you all had a great July 4th. God bless you all. This should not be a partisan discussion, should not be a partisan debate. We are one country that will come together regardless of who wins an election or who wins an argument. It's time to rise above and find those commonalities and begin to talk about them on a weekly, if not a daily basis. Thank you for being with me. I hope you had a blessed fourth, and I hope you and your family stay safe. Stay safe against the viruses, against the economic stressors, and against the powers that be that want to destroy our country because we are the shining city on a hill. This is Zudi Jasper. Thanks for joining me on Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R, and at Reform This Radio. Thank you. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.